1: What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 50 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by powercompanyclimbing.com. 50 episodes. That sounds so epic. I didn't even, I never imagined going 50 episodes. So thank you guys for sticking with me. And today I've got something special for you, a conversation that I'm really, really excited to be able to put out into the world. Uh, But first, I want to remind you guys that I will be at the Midwest Training for Climbing Conference, August 17th to 19th. And uh, you guys can sign up on their website, MidwestTCC.com, and there's an early bird special. You can save $100 until July 15th, so go jump on that now. Um, joining me at the conference will be Steve Bechtel, Arno Ilgner, Justin Shong. We'll all be running multiple workshops, so you will get to work with all of the coaches throughout the weekend. And uh, that's going to be at Adventure Rock in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, go sign up, MidwestTCC.com. I'm also working out details with uh, Rock Climbing Gym in Kansas City, Missouri and Asana in Boise, Idaho. Uh, So Nate and I will be at both of those gyms also in August. So if you're in those areas, be on the lookout. We're coming your way. We've got a lot of cool things happening here. Um, This week, I am sending to the printers the final files for the Power Company Process Journal, which will essentially be a mindfulness journal for climbers to help you get into the right mindset for your session, also to be able to look back and understand uh, where things are going right or where things are going wrong and be able to repeat that. I'm really excited to tell you guys more about that as soon as I have it in my grubby little hands. And, uh, you know, one more time, uh, big thanks to you guys for for being a part of this. Um, you guys are making it happen, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, one thing you guys have done that I have asked for over and over and you keep turning out is you're all leaving reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. And uh, right now we've got 99 reviews. That's only one short of our 2017 goal. So one of you out there can finish this thing up for us. And I will be hugely appreciative and I will celebrate and dance a little jig. And you guys won't get to see that though. Uh, I do, before I get this thing started, I want to highlight one of the recent reviews that we got. Uh, This one comes from Electric Toothbrush and it's titled, The Chronic. Electric Toothbrush, I don't know who you are, and uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in 1992, late 92, uh, Dr. Dre released The Chronic, and I was a senior in high school, and that album has a really special place in my heart. Um, So this is a pretty brilliant review on your part. Uh, Electric Toothbrush has this to say. Unfatable, so please don't try to fade this. But I'm back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so my let them understand. Absolutely the best climbing podcast out there. Keep it up. Electric Toothbrush, thank you a ton for that amazing review. It's always a good day when I can start my morning being Snoop Dogg. Uh, you guys should all give it a try sometime. And with that, I'm going to move on because today's guest is infinitely more interesting than I am. Her name is Lantian Chu. She's the swim coach here in Lander, Wyoming. And she took over that position a couple of years ago when legendary coach Bruce Gressley, who she worked with, passed away. And she had big shoes to fill. Uh, The Lander Tigers were state champions for 19 years in a row at that point. And that's tough to do in high school when, you know, your team has a 100% turnover rate every four years minimum. Um, So I think it's pretty remarkable. And I really just wanted to know how she creates that culture. Um, And she's one of my favorite people to talk to, so I feel really lucky to be able to do that. If you're a parent, a boyfriend or girlfriend, a climbing partner... This episode is going to be amazing for you. And if you're a youth team coach, then plan on listening to this episode a few times. Um, Plan on playing it for your assistant coaches and recommending it to the team parents. Seriously.
0: The magic part of coaching is like, how do you get the best out of some student? Or how does the student find the best in themselves? Wow, I think that is the trick. Said if you have some inner ignition, that it will help you put in the ten thousand hours, and then you have to have a coach with, like, pretty immediate feedback to make it, like, fast learning. Right.
1: right, and that's a big part of practice is having that feedback, having, you know, somebody to bounce those ideas around with and yeah, talk to, because you can like Bruce Gressley before me. Believe
0: that swimming teaches swimming. You just throw somebody in there and you just do it enough and they're going to learn. Yeah, eventually they will. Mm-hmm. But we are all trying to hack this process now. We're trying to shortcut everything. Right. And I find that really interesting to figure out with 14 to 18 year old kids. Yep. How do we make time more efficient? for them because they need to sleep, they need to do family stuff, they need to study, they need to do life.
1: Right. And oddly enough, you know, the that's a time in your life when you don't have a ton of responsibility necessarily, but you're extremely ridiculously busy.
0: I know. And uh, luckily you've got a lot of energy. Right. And your family if there's if you have a supportive family, they feed you, they take they drive you around. There's so much you don't have to think about. So mm-hmm. we coaches think just show up at practice. Put everything aside just for two hours. Let's yep. go for it. But then, what do you fill the two hours with? And there's so much from the yoga and meditation and the you know a motivational five minutes to actual stroke technique and strategies and physical conditioning. Yeah. And there's never enough time, <laughs> so we're always choosing what to do with these kids. And so far, we're good enough, we keep winning, but that's not the only measure. Right, sure. Right, as we talked about the other night, it's like the icing on the cake, you get right. to win.
1: It's the results from all of the other... The process. The process, yeah. Right. the journey to get there. Um, can we go back just a, just a <laughs> little bit and talk about, I just want to hear the history of the team. And I think it'll be helpful to kind of set things up that way. How long have you been involved with the team?
0: Okay, so I started 2002, something like that, when with, when May was into middle school. Okay. But before that, I was with the swim club when May was about five. Okay,
1: so you've been involved with swimming since before you were with the Lander Tigers. I assume they're Tigers, the yep. swim team? Yep? yep. Okay. Right. Okay, shout out Lander Tigers. <laughs>
0: Right. So, there's a real legacy here in Lander. Right. Red Cross Swim Lessons, the USS Swim Club, the middle school program, and then the high school program. So, we've all done it all. Right. And um, so, I've been involved in total maybe 25 years.
1: And did the, did the winning streak that's happening now start with Bruce? Or yes. was it before him?
0: Bruce was the only one. He started it. He coached for 46 years before he died. And we all got pulled in as parents of swimmers to volunteer. I worked for a a t shirt the first year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of us do, you know, (laughs) t shirts are less. Um, But so when you came in, there was already this winning streak. You right. were already involved in swimming, and that winning streak is up to 20 or 21? 21. 21 years, state champions. In a row, consecutive. At this point. In a row. Right. Yeah.
0: There were two years in the last, I think we've got 24, 25 state championships on the boys' side. Okay. But it isn't continuous because of two years where things right. happened. Right. So it, last year was number 21 in a row which is number seven in the nation for boys swimming.
1: Wow. And then you took over the team when Bruce passed away, and you were, you were coaching with him for a decade or more. Right. 15 years or something. Right. And then you took over the team. Um, I imagine that's a pretty high-pressure situation for you. I mean, is that right or –
0: to take it over. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you never know. Is there some secret sauce that we don't have? Right. And Bruce...
1: Bruce didn't tell anybody about Right, and, Yeah.
0: And after taking it over, I mean, obviously Bruce was wonderful and built mm-hmm.
1: this program and created the culture. And seems to be this beloved figure in town. You know, I've, I've never met him, but I've heard a million amazing things about him, so...
0: He dedicated his life to coaching kids, right? Teaching kids PE. Um, That's what he was for a a PE teacher and a swim coach. Okay. Right. And he loved swimming. He was a diver. He went to UW as a diver, got and was an NCAA champion, Um, and then started the swimming team.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, did he start this whole like building kids up as a you know, as mega swimmers starting from childhood. Did he he start that here in Lander? I guess
0: so. It wasn't that uh, much of an ambition. He just... Sure. uh, He started at the state school in that tiny little pool. I think it's a 20-yard pool, three lanes, really hot. It's a therapy pool. Mm -hmm. So for the first, like, five years, he held it there. Okay. And then they built a pool. He and um doozle
1: okay frank doozle right okay cool
0: got this pool together and i think the pool is like 35 years old wow so they made the vision got the funding and created this pool so then bruce moved the program in there and it takes a while to build a program sure yeah so um, and
1: probably to figure himself out as a coach you know, how to do it and what to, right. what to do. How to communicate with these kids of all different ages.
0: So I just came on at the very end, really, of his hmm. his fi- already figuring things out. Right. And just joined this green machine. And off we went. And, of course, we improved every year. But uh, he had already really set the fundamentals up.
1: When you took it over, were there... Any standout lessons from Bruce or from his coaching that you continued? He
0: always championed the underdogs, the kids who really needed a place to be. Yeah. And swimming is unique in the way that it's an individual effort, but there's a team that you can be accountable to Mm -hmm. and feel a part of. So... You can come and you can do your your best, whatever level that is, and you still can feel like you're essential to this team. Right. And so he took in anybody, everybody who wanted to try it, taught them how to swim and dive, and totally inclusive. We never cut kids. We never left anybody behind.
1: Right. I think that's an important thing to look at because you guys have this, you know uh, – decade plus two decades now winning streak and you're not telling people we need to hold on to this winning streak and you're not good enough you know i think that's that's a really big important part of it
0: yeah he never he would say that when you get some fast swimmers Mm -hmm. these the stars it's just extra sure and it's not typical you can win with kids that are on like any other team on, um, and anywhere in the United States. Yeah, and we all are teaching kids how to swim. All of these coaches around Wyoming and and the United States. It's it, that's what USS swimming is. It's a lifelong sport, and everybody who coaches loves it. Yeah, and of so course. you don't have to be the best of the best. You can't be. Everybody can't be Michael Phelps. In fact, we know that the number of kids who continue even onto college is such a tiny percentage. Right. But that's not why we do it. And yep. if you get these champions, kids who already come in with some background or some joy and love and talent for the sport, wow, you can really make a, a team fantastic. But you don't need yeah. that. And we have won. There's one year in the last twenty where we won state without winning a single first place at state.
1: Hmm. We Just did a it. Cumulative effort,
0: right? there were enough kids who were in that scoring middle section yeah and uh, that we won
1: oh that's really cool
0: so uh, you don't have to have stars but yeah. when they come you make use of them and and it's a lot of fun
1: yeah and it's probably good for the star kids too to see you know to come into this program where the people who are just learning to swim are treated just the same way that the stars are treated. Totally. You know.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a great lesson for all these kids in leadership because you're in the program for four years if you stick with it, Mm -hmm. freshman to senior, and you get to watch good leaders and bad leaders (laughs) around you. And when it's your turn to be a senior and you are technically the leader, although you can lead from any, any year, of course. Sure. But that is when the burden maybe of the success and the legacy hits you the most because if you're a senior you don't want to be a senior during a year that the team loses
1: right so how do you handle that that kind of pressure with the seniors you know they these are what 17 year old kids with this 20 this legacy that's older than they are yeah to uphold you know how does that how do you see that pressure affect them? First off,
0: I don't know that they're super aware of it. They know that. Sure. This is the legacy, but I, mean, I
1: know, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not on the swim team. I can barely swim to begin with. <laughs> so, and I know about it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that they do.
0: Yeah, And years back, of all the swimmers that swam with Bruce, they're all watching. They are keeping in touch. And now with social media and Facebook, you know, we are posting stuff. So everyone's cheering this right, group on. Right, And I think this, you just can't, you just have to, well, name the elephant in the room. You have to say, look, this is who we are and we're proud of it. Yep. And it takes a lot of work. It doesn't come just automatically. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to work. Every year this team works. We, we always go to state, and people go, wow, you guys put 100% effort in. Look at all the time drops you had. How do how do you do it? So we never go in thinking, oh, it's going to be easy this year. We'll just walk away with it. We didn't have to work that hard. Every year it's hard. Right. And so how do you motivate a team that has never lost to work that yeah. hard?
1: That sounds extremely difficult. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I guess they get to learn it partly because they start as freshmen, right? So, you know, they've got the seniors leading for three years before they get there. So I'm sure that's helpful. Um, Does that make it challenging for you at all as a coach that the team sort of, you know, recycles every four years you've? You know, it's new faces every year, and then every four years, all the familiar faces are gone. Yeah. Or I guess every year, you're losing a lot of familiar faces. So, does that make it tough to keep that leadership going, or does that make it easier? I don't know.
0: I think it's hard. Yeah. But that's part of the challenge, is every year is different. Different personalities, different needs for motivating, for inspiring, Mm -hmm. different contributions sometimes the there're very few seniors or they're not ready for leadership so then the right. juniors step up and we see that happen so i think we've tried lots of different models of leadership we've had like uh count, like a leadership council where there were some freshmen some sophomores some juniors some seniors right we've tried it with just seniors we've tried it all different ways and there's no formula and that's what's cool. I think every year having different faces. It's a really unique group. And we tell them that. This is your chance to make this group epic. It's right. never going to be like this again, right. ever. Right. Never was, never will be. This is your chance mm-hmm. to make it the best year for you, the best team ever. So yeah. what do you want to be?
1: Yeah, leave it, leaving it up to them. You know, and that—that's something I found interesting about our conversation uh, last week. That a lot of this leadership you—you you leave up to them. You let them do quite a bit of the decision making and and leading. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, or you know, how did that come about? And and do you think that's a do you think that's a model that's working really well?
0: I love it. I love. Coaching with questions. Okay. And. I like that. Like waiting. Asking a question and waiting. hmm Not giving them the answer. Letting them sort it out. Let's try something. If it fails, great. Even better.
1: Yeah. Then yeah. we
0: process that and we try again.
1: Yeah. That's how Nate, my partner, and I coach quite a bit is through questions. And when we do our workshops, ninety percent of the communication we have with the people in the workshop are questions. Yeah. And, and trying to lead them into answering the question themselves. If they're not if they don't get it right away, there's a way you can lead them into answering it.
0: Yeah. I think kids are they'll step up if you just give them a chance. Yeah.
1: If you get out of the way a little bit.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I I trust them. I think that they're here because they want to be there and they, it's not a mandatory class we're not giving out any grades so you can quit any time right. and, and in fact the kids tell each other if you don't want to be here you shouldn't be here hmm. go do some other sport but if you are here we've got to commit like a, a whole family and I think they would say that year after year that it feels like a family <laughs> that we don't kick anybody out of the family Right. but you got to Stay in the room with us. Yeah, yeah. And
1: you have to do your part no matter what that is. It's still your part.
0: And if it's painful or frustrating or <laughs> distressing or whatever it is, feel those feelings and let's talk about it. I think that's harder for the guys than the girls' teams. Yeah, I bet you're right. Uh, girls have their own challenges. <laughs> but I love the the boys' teams. Because they're very straightforward about the work that has to be done Mm -hmm. and what is and is not working. And when you just have the courage to bring it up and say, what do you think about this? What is happening here? What do you want to do about it? They are really good at figuring it out themselves if you just give them a chance.
1: Right. Yeah, You told me a story about... um, Uh, Lunch tables or dinner tables or whatever it is. A breakfast table. Breakfast table, right. Right. They come in early, they swim, and then they all eat breakfast. And, you know, tell tell me that story so that everybody listening can get it. Because I think that illustrates really well exactly what you're talking about that you have to lead them into it and then get out of the way.
0: Yeah. This is a story about dealing with seniority. Right. So there's a every morning there's a hot breakfast provided by parents after morning practice. Mm -hmm. We have a little room that has one table and it is, it was controlled this year by the six seniors.
1: Right. Right.
0: And there was one extra chair and they would invite one person (laughs) to sit with them every morning. Yeah. And I watched this and watched this. For a few weeks.
1: Did they choose different people? They did or? choose
0: different people. Okay. And That's I don't really start. know how they chose. Right. But it was probably not very systematic, just on a whim. Oh, you, you know, you can sit with us today. Right. And so it became, it really felt like uh, people were being excluded more than included. Right. And I wrestled with myself as to how to help them solve this issue because it really did not foster the family feeling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so we were having these Monday uh, briefings with seniors uh, where we could bring up anything. They would bring it up. I could bring it up. Other coaches could bring it up. So I brought it up one day and I said, Hey, what do you think about this breakfast situation? And um, I had already considered taking the table out of the room So, nobody could sit at the table. Right, right. (laughs) And we have a lobby with all these other tables Mm -hmm. where everybody, the whole team could sit, the whole team of 22. But they weren't doing that. They were separating themselves and feeling kind of smug about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I brought it up and I said, hey, what do you think? You know, I think that you might consider a different way of doing this because maybe... If this fosters any sort of um, exclusionary feeling or unhappiness or people feeling privileged, that it really doesn't serve this team very well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I and man, they picked up on it right away. They knew that it wasn't quite right. So they decided, all on their own that day, that they nobody was going to sit at that table. Everybody was going to sit in the lobby. I didn't have to take the table away. They had a great (laughs) conversation about it and we're very open um, about, oh yeah, I never really thought about that. That must not feel very good. right? It was a tradition Mm -hmm. that we picked up from the past, but um, we can change the tradition. Yeah. So I was really proud of them because that was a pretty mature way of changing your mind.
1: Yeah. And I think that's huge. I think it, You know you're building humans more than you're building swimmers and that's a skill that that communication skill that openness is something they take into every single thing they ever do you know far beyond the pool they're going to use that every day in their life yeah and that's a that's a massive thing for a high school boy to be able to do When I was 17 years old, there was no way that I could be that openly communicating with someone.
0: Yeah. I don't think it happens overnight. I think because this is the culture of the team and people dare to say some things out loud. And some people are better at it than others. And they take the lead in a lot of these conversations. Mm -hmm. But, And uh, we have banquets at the end of the year where people stand up and talk about this team and talk about their four-year experience and they cry in front of each other right it's the most heart wrenching and beautiful thing ever mm-hmm. that they feel safe enough that we have created a space safe enough that these men these young men can do that right so i think we're we're just super proud that um i don't know I mean, there's probably lots of little things that we do that all add up together to this.
1: Um, I mean, it sounds like the overarching idea here is family. You know, and I think I've heard that word a number of times when talking about the Lander Tiger swim team and, you know, talk because I was around when, when Bruce passed away. And and heard a lot of stories, and heard the stories of his um, funeral, and you know, and I've heard about it from May because obviously, um, May, your daughter, and I are friends, and you know, just just seeing the the closeness that everybody has is really interesting to me. I, I've never experienced that on a in a team setting before, and I think it it shows not least of which is in the 21 state championships in a row. You know, and I think that that must be a huge part of it.
0: I think that at first I thought that, Oh, because we're coaching high school and we're coaching life lessons and most of these kids aren't going to continue as professional swarmers. Right. That this we that the time we spend developing the family, mm-hmm. um, is justified and it's correct for this age group. But the more I talk to other coaches who are coaching Olympic teams and national teams, it's the same thing. And college right. teams, right. if you don't have that feeling of commitment and trust and respect um, among the teammates, yeah, even if you win, first of all, probably you won't win as often. Sure, And if you do win, this success doesn't feel as sweet because you're not quite sharing it with people that you really are connected to. Right. So I think we're really on the right track that the earlier we teach these experiences, the better it will suit them, whatever they do in life. Um, and so it's not just because we're doing It with 14 to 18 year olds and they're ready to learn these life lessons it continues to be the reason for success for professional teams for higher level teams and we kind of came up with that just because it felt good to us it felt organically like the right thing to do intuitively right um because may Again, she went into a college team, and it just felt so much not a family. It was so cutthroat. It was so kind of brutal, Um, and she didn't stick with it. Do you, uh, you know? And it's just uh, there are other factors there too. But it didn't feel the same way. And we would say to our kids, "Well, never again will you feel this. We're proud to to offer you this." Um, and you can go on and, and excel in all these different ways. And we hope that you create this feeling of family for yourselves right. when you get a chance. Right. Right. When you're in charge, when you're the coach, when you're in the lead. <sighs> but we feel like this is pretty rare here. and And we hope you value it sometime in your life.
1: Yeah, I think... And I think they must, you know, like you said, they're all looking back, they're all watching, you know, May was a, was a superstar on the team and now goes and takes photos of the team, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a coincidence, you That's
0: know, true. I think yep.
1: they do carry it on. And, you know, beyond the, the idea that you're getting these high school kids, particularly boys to communicate the way they are, which is fascinating and seems impossible to me you talked to me a little bit about meditation and you mentioned it Mm -hmm. early on in the conversation how do you get high school kids to meditate i can't even fathom that idea how does that start
0: yeah we talk about um like mental training as being like 80 percent of the sport yeah Um, yeah almost every every sport every sport Yeah. Right. So to control your arousal rates and how do you relax enough and focus and visualize. Right. And it uh it's hard to just say, okay, everybody lie down and visualize your race. Nobody knows how to do that. Right. Exactly. People do daydream. People do know how to think about things and imagine things and and so we practice it like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: often and for short periods of time. And so I led them into it by using a technique like um, just breathing and for a few minutes at a time after a yoga session, which is active enough that you feel like, okay, I can sit down and rest for a little bit and not fall asleep. But even if kids fall asleep in the savasana at the yoga and during a yoga session, then I wake them up and then we finish the practice with a little guided meditation. okay. I don't push it, I don't force them, I make suggestions, I try to give them visual images, and we just practice it through a season. And this year, it was incredible because we got to state and we had an extra day because of stormy weather, we went early. And so we had time to try a one hour meditation together.
1: Right, which is a long time.
0: And we especially never. for a 17 right. year old right Yeah, just to sit there and not leave the room with everybody in the team and just see what your thoughts come up with. It's scary. Yeah. but everybody did it. And many, many of the kids said to me, "Wow, that didn't seem that long." That was really cool. I tried some of the techniques that we did all year mm-hmm. and it was really calming. It felt so good. It felt really restful. So, yeah. I don't know. It's possible, for sure. I think you'd, I just led up to it by little practices, but we jumped from like a 10 minute to an hour right? with nothing in between.
1: Right. Well, you know, what you just said, that they said, I practice some of the techniques that we've been practicing all year. I think that's the important part, right? The, the consistency of, let's spend a few minutes practicing this thing and over time, they start to develop their own way of practicing it within the practice that's happening. And and that makes right. it easier for them to do it for longer or do it better and, you know, to, to get to that place on their own. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen unless there's that few minutes that you add in there consistently.
0: Yeah. you know, We tried a lot of new things this year. We did a little Zumba
1: with yeah? the boys. What did Steve have to say about Zumba?
0: Oh, I didn't tell Steve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to hear it here. You're going to get a phone call.
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know he hates Zumba. I, I came upon the idea because there, the kids had so little rhythm and flexibility. Right, right. And I thought, wow, that's got to be good for everybody in any sport, in any mm-hmm. athletic activity. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't really do Zumba. It was more like just simple line dancing. And okay. I, we did a little cha-cha. We did a little hustle. We, I turned on the music. We did merengue. And they just laughed and tried to follow. But after, like anything, you practice anything, right. you're going to get better at it. And the ones who were good at it, i look behind me and I'd go, wow, you're amazing. <laughs> there were no girls around. We didn't have to touch each other. All I had to do was like, right. listen to the music and try to follow. And I think they really liked it. We weren't, like, I wouldn't make them perform or anything. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure.
1: No, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. And, and again, it goes back to this comfort level that you're creating, you know, to get a room full of high school boys to dance. <laughs> that uh, you know that's harder than meditation for sure
0: very much yes everybody's comfort and discomfort can be you know around different things so i i think i was just trying to hit areas where okay maybe some kids will respond to this other kids will respond to that it's really the same discovery
1: right right can
0: you stretch yourself can you take a risk can you try something new can, see if it helps you. Is it an experiment? Can you love the process? And do it as a team and enjoy that too.
1: Right, right. Building humans. Yeah. That's what you're doing.
0: So we just had a lot of laughs. And I think it helped. But I don't know. You'd have to ask one of them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> if you if you think it helped, then I I think it must have. You know, it if they're having a good time and... And that's team building, yeah. you know, that's, that's the basic blocks of team building is that they're all together and having a good time and being themselves, not being reserved. You know, that's a, that's a big, big, huge part of creating a family.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, we're all, we can all be ourselves when we walk into our own houses with our families and then we go outside and we try to be someone else, you know, quite often. So, if they're able to be themselves, 17-year-old boys, 15-year-old boys dancing together, then, you know, that's a family for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You would have liked it. It'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to. This team, also, another thing that we discovered, like the last couple years, we had somebody – this year, and uh, following the footsteps of a, another senior the year before who just told stories. Oh, wow. Who would start any practice or come out at state when everybody was tense or at the banquet or at a celebration at the high school and spontaneously tell a little story.
1: And this isn't something you're directing. This is just no. Nope. the kids pick it up from other kids, and it just grows that way.
0: And what impressed me was that it wasn't just a silly story. I mean, they had thought hard about what themes this team needed to hear. Right. And they would do these crazy gestures and, like, be really dramatic and base it on some video games that everybody knew. But in the end, the stories were about brotherhood and Mm -hmm. friendship and hard work and loyalty and, you know, coming together against a common enemy and... So, it became like something that the kids really looked forward to. That right, let's have a story. Let's have a story. So I think we're going to have another storyteller next year. A senior, a junior now is going to step up and be the storyteller. Yeah. And it intrigues me that in a lot of (laughs) tribes, there is a storyteller.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: here's our little tribe, and we rely on somebody, to know the history and to speak it out loud and to inspire people.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but that's something that uh, definitely does permeate every, you know, tribal culture. And, and, And I'm not speaking in tribe in the, you know, strict definition of the word, but the, you know, there's a climbing tribe and a skateboarding tribe and a surfing tribe. And, you know, we have... Paul Piana and, and John Long and Steve Bechtel to tell stories. Yep. You know, and we all love that. And that's one of the things that people, you know, Steve has some of the most popular episodes on our podcast. And a lot of people say, I love that he relates all these things via story. Yeah. You know, he's a good storyteller. And that's what makes people. Listen, it's what draws people to Steve and to Paul and to John and, you know, to all these storytellers. Yeah, And and people respond to that. So that's pretty big. Is this junior, you know, is he just stepping into the role on his own? He just said, this is what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. He almost didn't come out for the team um, this year. Really? And then he came in and totally blossomed. Hmm. So I'm really excited for him. Because I think he's uh, he's got a lot of respect from the others. They know that it was hard for him. Yeah. He is not a star, but he works hard. Right. And he's not bad. He's he's good. Right, he right. earns points at state. So he is leading in the water as well as leading as a person.
1: Yeah. And I think that's important to foster that. You know, you don't have to... If you're not necessarily a star just because you put the most points on the board. You know there are, there are people who facilitate yeah. those point earners to do what they do. You know, and if those stories that he tells bring something out of those star point earners, then you know he's he's contributed hugely to that.
0: Right. The star point earners, we can't yeah. just win on them. Right. They're never enough of them. Right. They're the icing, right? So the group that scores the most points are the three kids below the star. Right, right. Who place whatever, second, two, two, three, four. Um, so if we can somehow get the group below to step up more beyond what they thought they could do, they actually... Are the success of the team. Right. In terms of the, the points.
1: Yeah, it raises up the whole team. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's been fascinating for me to see people take roles. And you can, as you are alluding to, there's all these different roles in groups. Right. And can we respect everybody in what they're giving? Um, is there enough? space for everybody to do what they're good at or even explore what they might be good at mm-hmm. And I think these kids at this age are exploring so much it must be terribly scary for them. yeah, I bet socially, physically, their bodies are changing. Some of them are like not comfortable with their bodies yet. others are. Have been, you know, are good at some other sport, and they come to swimming and they can't swim.
1: Right. right. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of this. You know, it, that that twenty-one year legacy at this point isn't their biggest concern. You know, they're they're in the throes of adolescence and figuring themselves out anyway. Yeah. So, you know, not that this, not that having a legacy like that looming over them is going to help with adolescence at all but but it's not their biggest concern
0: it you might know? give them that push at the time when right. at near the end of the season when everybody is tired and maybe injured or sick and man they you just want to quit but mm-hmm. you can't you can't quit then right we're almost there right so we and as you've coaches, got this whole
1: family with you who's not right cool. yeah
0: and We tell kids a lot that they have so much effect on each other that if you come in and you just try to, I don't know, ask somebody sincerely how they are today, that that could make that person's day. Sure. And you can choose to help somebody else even if you feel like crap yourself. And so it works the other way too. If you come in and you just spew all over everybody else then everybody else feels cr- as bad as you do.
1: Right. Yep.
0: So what is the responsibility to each other? And what does a team look like and feel like if you're going to say, wow, this is the best team I've ever been on? Yeah. How do you contribute to that? How, what kind of person are you for that?
1: Yeah. And it's not, it's not just 17 or 14 to 18-year-olds that all of these principles apply to. <laughs> you know it's it's everybody in every situation you know climbing is this individualistic mostly selfish sport you know but when we go out we have belay partners we have spotters we have this crew that we train with or you know you have your regular people you go to the gym and climb with or whatever that may be and that's that's a small little team you know, and that's yeah. going to thrive if it's a, a small little family. You know, and I think we see that over and over and over with, you know, the Piana and Skinner and the you know, there's mm-hmm. so many teams and and families, you know, throughout climbing history that you can look at and mm. see all of these things that you're talking about with, with teenagers being applied to adults as well. You know, it's it's the same things. And you've worked with several different ages. Mm-hmm. You know, you've worked with from May when she was, you know, kindergarten, preschool age, all the way up to now working with um, older people who are just learning to swim. Right. Do these principles you're, you're learning with these kids carry over to all those other ages? <sighs>
0: I think the uh, the high school age and this team, because it's such a discrete time, it's like 12 weeks, and we've got a really set goal. Right. As opposed to a year-long or multi-year-long development of skill.
1: But is it just 12 weeks? I mean, you have them in a program for 12 weeks, but… I would assume that continues throughout the school year. You know that that they're still a family. It's not like they disappear on each other.
0: Mm, that's true.
1: When the swimming season isn't on.
0: Oh, that's for sure. But we don't see each other as often. Right. Uh, they go on to do other sports mm-hmm. or not, and <clears throat> I think there's something magic that happens when you see people so often. Every morning, every afternoon, every weekend, bus trips, hotel stays, competition. Uh, man, you really. I'm not. I've never been a classroom teacher, but I think right. this is even more intense than a classroom because we are seeing each other at our best and our worst. Sure. And we're kids. Get sick. Kids get scared. Kids freak out. Kids. Succeed beyond their wildest dreams. All, so many emotions happen. And um, it's, I think it, it just intensifies this whole family feeling. Like we're doing this project together and we're mm-hmm. going to focus on it. Yeah. Whereas all these other groups that we work on, work with, um, I think there's so many other things happening in their lives and we can't just focus on this one thing together right right if you are gonna climb el cap with a partner yeah you've got a project that you are gonna yep. work on intensely yep. and i think that just makes that project feel so much uh i don't know like <clears throat> like the biggest thing ever
1: well you're right you're right it does and it's it's definitely harder when You know, if I go climbing with BJ and BJ's goal is this boulder and my goal is a boulder a half mile away, it's a different thing, you know. But there's definitely a way to create some sort of team there, you know. If I'm there and I'm fully supporting BJ in his goal, then I know when I get to my boulder, BJ's fully supporting me on mine you know and and you have to find those those teammates you know the that family who's who's there with their own interests in mind but also have your interest in mind and i think that's really important you know and and i imagine like you said older folks have You know, uh, once they're out of college and onto their lives, they have all these other things going on, and it's tough. So maybe we don't get as intense a situation as, you know, these 12 weeks where you're with each other all the time. You Mm -hmm. know, all your waking hours are spent thinking about the same things and doing the same things. But when this group of women goes into the pool to learn to swim together, you know, even if it's only two or three of them, they're still facing their fears together. They're still conquering together and achieving together. And, and I think that creates something that we don't necessarily get in our adult lives. If it weren't for sport or, you know, other pursuits where there's a a team sort of network.
0: Oh, I agree. Totally. The uh, and the older we get, the more we think: oh, How do we sustain ourselves? How do right. we keep moving? How do we keep goals? How do we stay young? How do we? Yep. Right. So we. It's easier when we have a group that we are trusting and commit to. Yeah. I'll meet you there. Okay. So even yep. if you don't feel yep. like it, you go because the other ones need you. And I think I see all this. These older these videos of these swimmers in that 360 age group bracket so they're like a relay of four oh, these wow. people are in their 80s yeah. and 90s yeah. and their ages are over 360 Mm-hmm. they are setting world records
1: yeah how and cool. they will
0: say that yeah they show up at the pool because their buddies are there yeah Your frank's are gonna there.
1: be there i have to be there too right you know? <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i you're you know, you're accountable to someone else. You know, I think that's a big part of it.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, that word is a little scary for these teenage kids. I bet. They don't want to be accountable. Yeah. They want to just do what they do.
1: Yeah, they don't want their decisions to be letting <sighs> someone else down. and Right. You know.
0: Yep. But that, if anything, is the biggest lesson that we have for each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we have a relationship if we don't have, if we're not feeling accountable? So.
1: Yeah. uh, So here's, here's a thought and we're talking a lot about the, the kids and how they feel and how, you know, the pressure affects them and what they do with that pressure. But when you're a coach, where do you take credit and where do you give credit you know i think this is a tough thing for a lot of coaches that you can see like the the beginner coaches and i hesitate to use the word coach in this case but the people who are if my athlete fails it's their fault and if my athlete succeeds i did that <laughs> you know and we all know that that's not the way to coach where where does a successful coach draw those lines, or do you? Is it something you even think about?
0: I think people come to a coach to uh, get some competency that they don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think we expect that the coach knows what to do, knows how to teach.
1: Right, right.
0: And I think those skills, that skill coaching, maybe is the easiest part of coaching. Mm -hmm. And maybe could be a formula, even. Right. The magic part of coaching is like, how do you get the best out of some student? Or how does the student find the best in themselves? Right. Wow, I think that is the trick.
1: It is. And I
0: don't think the coach can show the way because every person is an individual. They're going to find their own way. Like they know the answer. But maybe they just needed a little bit of energy from that coach or a little bit of inspiration or a little bit of modeling. Right. Um, Seeing the coach show up every morning for morning practice. Cheerful. Choosing Mm -hmm. to be happy. Yeah. Working out themselves working on projects themselves, staying fit, um, whatever it is.
1: And staying interested.
0: Yeah, you know? passionate about what they're doing, Yeah, loving it, caring about it, caring about you as a person, whether you continue swimming or not. I don't know. Is that being a coach or is it just being a good human being?
1: <laughs> I think it's a little of both. I mean – Coaching for us has definitely been, you know, we joke sometimes that we're 90% therapist, Um, you know, almost all of our clients are adults and, and there's a lot of talk about feelings and, Mm. you know, a disappointment and, and it makes me, i'm I'm always extremely hesitant to sound like I'm taking credit, I guess I like to congratulate the people who are succeeding who want to be congratulated in this way uh, you know yeah. via the internet and you know I want to show everybody what they're doing but i I'm very careful to make it clear that they're doing the work, you know they're the ones doing this. I'm just providing roadmap and I'm providing conversation and direction and therapy you know through yeah. the whole thing yeah so so yeah it's a tricky tricky thing to define huh
0: it is it's the fun part though I really yeah. like it it's all about psychology
1: yep yeah and I think it's the effective part you know you can yeah. any coach can can buy Steve Bechtel's most recent book and learn how to program a training plan. But not every coach can communicate with their athletes the way Steve does. You know, that's, that's where the skill is. That's the important part. It's not in the science. It's in the, it's in the human.
0: It's in the relationships. Yeah.
1: It's in the relationships. Yeah.
0: For sure. I think that's where I feel the greatest honor and privilege is that I've been able to have create these relationships Mm-hmm. With so many different kids and their families and or adults um, every one of them is 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 truly a an honor to to be led into a person's life and that person say, "Well, this is how I really feel about this and there's no one size fits all yeah uh, I have to respond as a human being
1: mm-hmm and you know that that brought up something interesting when you're the you know the th- the therapist the shoulder the you know whatever it is whatever your role as coach is at that moment how do you coach in that situation when it's someone who's a little closer to you you know i know you've coached may <laughs> and then you've also sent may to steve for coaching yeah and steve is sending his daughter to you for <laughs> for true, coaching for
0: swimming yep <laughs> you know
1: so <clears throat> is there a, a point at which it becomes more difficult to coach your own children i know a lot of climbing coaches deal with this so i'm, I'm curious
0: oh that's a great question because i homeschool my kids right and i coach them Right. And we live together. And we traveled together. Right. Right. Everything. And you
1: have an amazing relationship. You know, I I see it. They're they're both adults now, but but it's an amazing relationship. So you've done something incredibly right. Oh, thanks. I'm just I don't know what that is. I'm curious to know.
0: (laughs) I know people look at us, especially with the homeschooling state, and they say, Wow, we could never do that. I could never spend every day with my kids. And I'm like, really? We do anyway. We answer questions. Right. We explore. We travel. We're always feeding back to each other all the time. Isn't that learning and teaching? And we just carried it on to other things. So I try not to, like, single my kids out. If I, were, I was coaching a team and they are part of that team, I wouldn't put extra pressure on them. I wouldn't ignore them. I just try to treat them like everybody else. Right.
1: Even though May was a superstar, you know, I don't, I don't know Willie's swimming background, but I know that May was a star in town. So
0: Willie was amazing too. Mm -hmm. Because
1: I'm judging by everything else he does, I'm sure he was.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, he he learned when he was really little following all of us around in the pool. And so he got the fundamentals from way back. So by the time he got to high school, he just applied technique to power and off he went. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We've always gotten along, I think. Um, and I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, that... I don't know, the lighter you hold on to people and let them explore it themselves and let them be who they are, Yeah, that applies so much to your own children. But it applies to everybody. Um, And I try to remember that, just to present a suggestion and say, what do you think? (laughs) And let them explore it their way. And if you need support, we give support. But otherwise, it's not my thing. It's not my life. It's not my, my goal. It's your goal. And I'm, I'd love to help you with that, but it's, uh, it's not in my control. Right. And I think that was a big lesson for me. I want to be in control of everything. But I realized after Jim died that, wow, I am not in control of anything. Yeah. How do I deal with that? And it, it just really, I think that helped me try not to dictate everything. And I it think, works out better.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, uh, I think we could sit here and talk for another three hours. But I think that's as good a place as any to wrap it up because you know, that applies to coaching. That applies to every relationship you ever have with any other person in your life. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's brilliant advice.
0: Oh, thanks, Chris. You <laughs> make it easy to talk. Thanks.
1: Well, you know, you're, when I come back to Lander and, and now I'm here for good, but over the years when I've come here, there are a few people that I have to see before I feel like I'm here, you know, and you're definitely one of those people, you know, Lucy and Gerald, I go see immediately because they're amazing and then i don't feel at home here until i get to talk to you and you're you're this calming fountain of wisdom that (laughs) that means a lot to me to have available so thanks for sitting down with me
0: thank you thank you
1: you know what i recognize exactly how lucky i am Uh, It really is a privilege to sit down with the people that I get to talk to and that they trust me enough to allow me to record and release these conversations. Um, Coaching is about so much more than a training plan and I really appreciate Lantian being willing to sit down in front of a microphone which I realize is not for everybody. And grapple with the toughest parts of coaching with me, uh, you know, the building of a tribe, the tough love, the the gentle nudging into better decisions, and the willingness to just let go of that idea of control that we all seem to want so badly. Uh, it's not a coincidence that these are all aspects of being a better human. And Lantian is one of the best humans I know. So, thanks, Lantian. I can't wait to have another one of these conversations, microphone or not. You guys, we've come a long way in this last year and a half and 50 episodes. And uh, you can all help ensure the next 50 episodes by becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com slash podcast. We've got 130 patrons over there, which blows my mind. Uh, I hope to see all of you Uh, in Milwaukee for the Midwest Training for Climbing Conference this August 17th through the 19th. I hope to see all of you on the social medias, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Pinterests. Well, I won't see any of you at Pinterest, but you can see us over there. Uh, You will not, however, see us on the Twitter because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.
0: This is time for business.